0: So um, earlier this week, a friend of mine asked me a question. They texted me, and I uh, didn't really know the answer to it. And so God, um, through this past week, he just had me kind of answer the question for myself. Um, And the topic is humility. And so I just um, went into the scriptures to seek, what humility is and you know obviously we've been taught what humility is in the sense that it's not thinking too lowly of yourself or it's not thinking too highly of yourself not thinking of yourself at all and in that you can put others first so I just went to the scriptures to see for myself um, I guess humility in action or how the bible talks about humility so in uh romans twelve, three, that's where we'll start it says for i i say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly and to think soberly we have to have his thoughts according as god has dealt to every man the measure of his faith so we see um Humility is a humbleness of of the mind. And it's the opposite, as we've been taught, of pride. From there we get boasting, right? To be boastful. Humility is not seeking or demand personal recognition. And we see how Christ beautifully portrayed that in Philippians two. Philippians two three says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So we see that we are not to think of ourselves too highly or too lowly, but to think of others, right? In verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem better than themselves. It's esteeming each of us better than our own self. And it's caring for others, not just for yourself. In verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then we see humility is submitting to God in his will. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him. The form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men he was made flesh um, without sin sinful nature we also see that in james 4 let's turn there james 4 6 through 8 says but he gives more grace wherefore he said god resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble So submit yourselves to Therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. And, um, you know, when I was asked, what's the process of humility? And immediately I thought, you know, God weakens us so we can depend on him. And here it says that God gives grace. He gives more grace to the humble. So he humbles us so that he to love us and give us grace. And we can see in that verse, the opposite of being humble is pride. God resists the pride, right? He resists the pride and gives more grace to the humble. It's being mindful and um, condescending to the weak. We see that in Romans 12, um, 16. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Mark 9. Uh, And he took a child and set him in the midst. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto him, Whosoever shall receive one of of such children in my name receives me. And whosoever shall receive me receives not me, but him that sent me. And I just thought, you know, the beautiful picture of caring for children, it's not of yourself. You know, it is literally setting your own, your own desires to care for kids, you know, for your own children, for daycare, for you know, preschool, being a teacher, Sunday school, you're caring for kids. And it's, it, it, it does put you in a place of humility because for me as a father, I can't, you know, in my own strength I can't do this and I need to depend on him to give me the patience most the patience to uh you know deal with kids, right? So you know, I, I see how, you know, Christ lovingly, um and in humility, with patience and care and gentleness does care for his sheep, his flock. Um he does carry those that are young, right? Um, so that's a beautiful picture of humility as well. First Thessalonians five fourteen says, "Now we exhort you, brethren, warm them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, and support the weak. Be patient towards all men." And I see, you know, Christ can give us by humbling us and us depending upon Him. He gives us the patience to be patient towards all men, even those you know as we've been taught that we are put under you know extreme uh pressure or opposition right he does give us patience for for that where we can um act in love as i said in philippians 2 eight humility is is obedience to his will and his will is for our good um romans 8:28 1st corinthians 2 says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power of God. So it is dependence upon him. We have to depend on him in all things. And that is exactly what pride is against. Pride, the prideful man wants to do everything on, by himself. And so um, I looked into synonyms of humility and um, we see one word in the Greek word translated lowly and there's a bunch of scriptures we can go into but we've been taught that meekness is what I'm like when I'm all alone with him. And in his presence, all, all alone, when we're alone with him, all his dealings for me, everything that God allows is, are for me. And we aren't to argue with him. And that was really personal. We aren't to argue or oppose him in any measure when we're put into a place where we don't really like. And we don't think that that situation is for us. God knows. And I really see that, how God does put us in places where we have to depend on him. And it really does humble us. Um, And so, yeah, you know, I just saw a lot of scriptures on how Christ um, did humble himself. And just how beautiful of an example he was for us to do the same. To, to be humbled and, and to be in, in a position and in a place to receive His grace. Um, I think that was key that God humbles us to receive His grace. And so, yeah.
1: just had a great word on humility. And uh, every morning, you know, I, I ask God what He has uh, for me and, and what, of course what he has for others. I ask him, believe it or not, I ask him for, in my older age now, I ask him for everything. Even right down to, okay, God, what do I wear today? I'm not even exaggerating. Even every single detail. And it just brings in a greater intimacy. It brings in a beautiful intimacy. And that's his desire. So, again, when we think of that a definition that we've heard i heard it taught uh, many years ago and i heard it taught from another man around the time of 1840 <laughs> that again that you know as judy always was bringing up this morning what god gave him that humility is not thinking too highly of the self-life listen and not too lowly of the self-life. It's not thinking in terms of our self, about ourself, it has nothing to do. So when it's saying that, when it teaches that, as the Holy Spirit does, through these scriptures, humility is knowing and experiencing the word of God that reveals who I am in Christ, and it keeps the self-life out. And that's why it says it's not thinking too highly of self. That's really the way to understand it because we never are to know ourselves the way that God does not know us and he does not know us that the self-life, which has nothing to do with Christ, but everything to do with his desire for you and I manifested, revealed through his son, Jesus Christ, and brought about to us experientially by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's also interesting the way it was brought up this morning in, in Romans 12 and verse 3, which I thought was, which was amazing, and the way that it teaches us this, and we're going to just be brief this morning. And, and uh, But again, as was shared in Romans 12 and v- verse 3, it says, for I say, notice Paul, so who's really saying this in him as a vessel? For I say, through the grace given, see, through Christ given to him about himself, right? Unto me, this grace has to be given to every man among you not to think, not to think more highly than he ought to think, but to think what? Soberly. According to God, has, got, has dealt to every man the measure of faith. What is the measure of faith? In other words, the measure of my dependence upon him through humility will be the measure that his grace becomes the experience of who Christ is in me as an individual and of who I am in him. And so we, t- we see this again, that this is what humility does. Humility is God's teaching method of how to depend upon him. And when I do, he gives me the grace of who Christ is and what he's accomplished for me as an individual. So everything that I know individually about myself Apart from the self life. And the way that I know myself, the way that God knows me, is how I'll know you. And there'll never be any comparison in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. There'll never be any of that. And that is that whole mind. You see? So when it talks about the mind, we're going to see this very clearly. I, I believe that God, again, wants us to be on a Tuesday, a Tuesday word that he's going to give about how he's even designed our brains and our minds how to function incredibly. Meaning even how he designed our very physical bodies and he's given us a physical body. And he te- has to teach that physical body how to function on him in Christ or the spiritual man. And how all these motor functions, if even the physical body, he's going to teach us. That's why we're in these bodies right now. We're going to see this. And it's all about humility because humility is the mind of Christ. That's what humility is. It is the mind of Christ. We uh, saw that as Jerry brought that out, the way that God brought that out to him for him and for us. I love it when God answers an individual because it, then it becomes a benefit for us because we're one in that truth. And so we're to let this mind be in you in Philippians two five. And how is that happen? We're to let the word of Christ dwell in us. And do you see what it's saying there in Colossians three and verse sixteen, as God in His love through the function of our minds that are now new (laughs) submitted to him they now become his how I used to function my mind and my body, my motor function skills my cognitive skills how I functioned before under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2.2 now become his to bring in an intimacy and a humility of something that is it's so incredible. And it becomes the irreplaceable treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that's in the vessel. So you are to let that mind be in you. You have to let it. This speaks of a submitted will. And God has to, as, as again was taught in Psalm 102 and verse 23, what does he have to do? He has to weaken the strength. What is the strength? Functioning in our minds, in our soul, Okay, and no wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 119 in verse 25, quicken me, give me life, God, according to your word, because my soul, my self-conscious capacity is clinging to the dust. My physical body and its motor functions, its cognitive functions. We're going to see how this works beautifully and brings in the reality of a proper image no longer the old image, interfering with the new. No, there's going to be a separating, sanctifying process of growth in grace and truth. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, the knowledge of Christ, and that's the truth, and it only flows through grace. So that we can see that in Hebrews 4.12, the word of the Lord is living. It's a life-giving force, and it's very powerful, and it's very sharper. And it's supernatural ability that's given to us so that you and I, as we submit our wills, can see God as he separates that soul, that self-conscious capacity, You're not thinking too highly of self, nor lowly of self. It's got nothing to do with our self, but it does have to do with our brand new image. And this is what he's doing in Psalm 102 and verse 23. He's weakening our strength. Because where did we derive anything? If Christ himself isn't the truth and our true strength, it would be functioning under the enemy. It'd be giving over our whole body, our mind, our emotions, our will, our self-consciousness, our conscience, thereby giving it over to him. Then we cleave to the dust. Then we use all of that cognitive sense, those motor skills, to to appease the flesh the old self and not the new image about who we are in Christ and this is what was being brought out this morning that that we heard and is also what he desires uh, to bring out um, and in us uh, this morning and we're going to see it I think there'll be like a precursor because I believe God was giving us a precursor this morning that he's going to do that Monday, but really present it in quite a way on Tuesday. And we're going to see how that works just how God designed us and how he redeems all and has nothing to do with the old functioning, but the new. How our bodies can even, even these old ones, can be used by him and not by ourselves anymore. Cognitive sense motor skills, thought, and then doing. And this goes into James 1 and verse 21, uh, to uh, right up and through verse 27. And we can become doers of the word through receiving this truth. And not hearers only, you see. And it goes into this in depth. But I just want to share here, again, as we close this morning, here in this portion here, of certain things and I can tell in certain Bibles, like this is the oldest Bible that I've had. The first one that I ever had of my own. It was, it was given to me in 1975. And uh, first little Bible I had. And in this Bible, and I can tell from the pens and the way that I wrote it, it was decades ago of the truth about humility. Things that were taught by truthfully faithful men of God. Weak, like the rest of us, but still God faithful in them through a vessel. And that's how we know them. And we know ourselves after Christ and not after the flesh. And so, in that's humility. I just want to read these things that I wrote down. I believe they're a minimum. I know they are of four decades. Because we're approaching, Barbara and I and some of us older ones, we're approaching our fifth decade in, in Christianity. Just, be, just being able to, to handle his word, uh, to do this, you know. And that, what's, that is what brings out, just think the privilege we have today. And this is what explains a first, before we go into humility and finish it, in First John 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, This is Jesus Christ is talking about. Which we have heard. It's amazing. We can still hear him the exact way that they heard. And many times in even a deeper sense, of course, than any of those in the Old Covenant. I don't believe in the sense of the newer, which was made possible through the Holy Spirit coming down to form the church in Acts, the second chapter. But when it says in 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. We're hearing it, aren't we, this morning? And we have seen with our eyes. This goes into cognitive sensory perception that can enter into motor skills of things that we do based upon what we see or we perceive through the thought light, the, the thought life, which is the eye gate. Those things which We have seen with our eyes those things about Christ. We're able to see them and to see and measure in our growth like God sees his son and sees us in his son. This has to do with humility for all of us, which we have looked upon. I think of how many times, even this little Bible, I've looked upon it. Times of struggle, times of uh, intensity, times of rejection, times of hurt. And how many times I've been able to to handle in this sense, Christ, he's so near to us through his word. And this is humility, which we have looked upon. And I I love this one. And our hands have handled the very word of life. (laughs) Just think about that. We can handle him and touch him. He's not a clinical God, not afraid to come down in the midst of every single thing that affects us because he did to his son and this is intense humility and we know that because humility is Christ and it is the mind of Christ and so we have our hands have handled of the word of life for for the life was manifested he's done that to us hasn't he in in part and we have seen it and we can bear witness we can give a testimony how many times he's come through for us. And how in his grace, He's His his, his anticipative love and His provenient grace, He humbled us when we didn't even know it. When we were resisting it, it didn't stop His love for us. For the life was manifested and we've seen it, and we can bear witness now and give a testimony. And that we can show unto whoever you is that we're around that eternal life, that Christ life, that life message. The message of life, Christ Himself, the humble one. He'll forever be known as the God, the sovereign Son of God, manifested through the Son of Man, but He will always be the humble one. And the marks that will be in His wrists, in His feet, on His side, in the nail prints here will always reveal the in- unbelievable humility. He went so low, lower than any man. And that's what Philippians 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 11 bring out. He went so low. He only went lower where no other man could go because of what he took upon himself, of of us, our sins, and crucifying the old, that no one can go higher. No one can go higher than him. And that's humility when we recognize Him as the height of all that God could do. That's why we are the height of all God's creative acts. In Ephesians 2 8 through 10, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before ordained that you and I should walk in them. And how do we? Apart from humility and apart from the grace where the anticipative love becomes the experiential love. Through that grace, And then we see who he is in us. And then I can see in others who he truly is. Apart from their failures, the way he sees me. Apart from their sins, the way he sees me. And I can see others. So for the life was manifested, we see it. We've seen it and bear witness. And show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father. The was is going back to John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, the word was with God. Not that it began to be with him. But the was is bringing us back into the eternal truth. That he who always is, was and is with the Father. That goes into so much more than what we have even the time right now to go into. But it was with the Father, but now that was life, that life is manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, and hearing has to do with not just hearing, but submitting and depending upon it. We declare unto you that you may also have what? Fellowship, kinonia, the setting aside of private interests and private desires for the benefit of the whole. And this is, again, humility. It's not knowing anything too highly about the self-life in me, myself, or too lowly of myself. It's not thinking in terms of myself about the self-life, but Christ in me. In Colossians 1 and verse 27. The hope, the guarantee of glory. So that we may have fellowship with us. You may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with, uh, with there again, goes all the way back to John 1, 1, cross in, in intimate, affectionate exchange of a love life fellowship that nothing can disturb or distract. That's with the father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that what? your joy may be full. And that's why in his presence is fullness of joy. So we're going to close again with this. Humility is accepting Jesus' humility, who is the issue of life. He's the issue of success. Humility first. Listen, humility first, then obedience. Flesh can't perform obedience. We see that in Romans 7, 18 to 21. It's humility first. Do you want to obey? Do you desire to obey him? Then he must humble us. He must bring us to the place of self-help and self-hope. And then there's going to be obedience. That's where we're going to see that when we cast down the lies of the self-life in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting down imagination, these false reasonings. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Who's the knowledge of God? It's Jesus Christ. What is that knowledge he wants to reveal to us? An intimate, personal love life through grace that nothing can disturb or distract. Literally. And so we can see that very clearly. Humility is receiving the mind of Christ and experiencing it. The humility of love, listen to this one. The humility of love never challenges the Father's plan. Meaning, as all shared through the word, he never, we never answer him back. We never answer him back. Yes, but God, no. 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 Heaven and earth in Isaiah 40 and verse 8, Matthew 24 and verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away as we know it now. But his word will never pass away. It's forever settled. Psalm 119 verse 89. It's forever settled in heaven. And everything about the Psalms where we say amen. It's yes, amen, settled, and I agree. That's what it means. Humility becomes very easy when you have the mind of Christ. We can't without a yoke. This is Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Humility decides the issues, whatever they are, through the Word of God. No private interpretation in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. Humility begins by realizing, by a communicative, and a communication of response to and by faith dependence. Very key, as we heard that this morning. Humility begins by realizing, by a, a commitment of response. We commit ourselves to respond to grace. And that's what dependence is teaching us. We see that. And so what is humility? Humility is, speaks of dependence. Dependence brings us to a place, an enlarged capacity of responding. You see, the more you hunger and receive the word, the more he gives to us. And so humility, listen, this is humility. This is a great one. Humility means no battle of weakness. I'm not going to battle weakness. Nope. I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to battle. Try and battle things what the word says, what God says to me through reasonings of the self-life under Satan. I'm not going to do that, you see, because humility is no battle of weakness. Humility, humility. There's no other coexistence. There's no other means of dependence that God has given us, any of us, but that he should humble us because who does he give the grace and truth of who his son is? He gives it to those that are humble. That's right, to the humble humility and obedience is because we have this yoke we each have a yoke of absolute dependence full dependence on his full love through full grace by a full plan of humility because God's plans only has one plan it's designed to humble us that's why it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 I know the thoughts that I think towards you the thoughts of peace and never of evil, so that you can, you can experience with a great expectation the plans that I have for you. And the plans that he has for us are not only for time, they're training us in time, but to rule in those plans for all eternity. If we think about time, and God was doing this with me this morning, when he was speaking to me, he said, if you think about your life right now, which is but a vapor, James 4 and verse 14, it's like a vapor, it's like a hand width in Psalm 39, 3 and 4. It's like a hand That's what it's like. But if we think about our lives and everything that we have to go through, if we consider it, no wonder it says, Romans eight eighteen. for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us, through us, and all around us, this goes into John 17, 24, uh, 22 to 24, that the glory in us and that we'll see expressed with us and that he's very glory, his glory. We're going to be eyeing that for all eternity and learning. But, it's, but everything that we go through right now is worth it because it's like an hour. Listen, what is an hour compared to eternity? Think about it. As the Bible goes into the hour. The hour of Christ being his whole hour on this earth. And we'll get into that at a different time. But what we see here very beautifully is humility. Humility can what? It can bear. And what can it do? Can Christ in his own self, is he bearing upon himself the whole creative universe? Is he? Well, Hebrews 1, verse 3 says he is. Hebrews 11, verse 3 says he is. He's upholding. Not only did he create it, but he's upholding it. Can he hold us up? (laughs) Can he? Can he? Can he handle my circumstance, my situation? He experienced rejection like no man. Can he handle mine? Oh, he will. Because we don't have a high priest in Hebrews 4 and verse 15. We have a high priest. He's gone into the very heavens to intercede for us. Not like the others that could only go in there once a year. Aaron could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. No, we don't have him. We have a high priest. It's not that he cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He was touched with ours, not only his, but with ours on Calvary. He knows everything about it. In the hour that we have here. <laughs> in that hour. And so we see humility. And, and humility works in the patience. And patience is his love in 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. And it goes into what? Remember, and we'll close again. This is, I think, three times, and I'm out with this closing. Macrothumia. We're able to bear. He who bears the whole universe can bear us under when others. Come against us with evil, no matter who it is. It's macrothumia. M-A-K-R-O-T-H-U-M-I-A. Then he gets that's that's macrothumia, bearing the evil and hoopamone, H U P O M O N E, Hoopamonae has to do with bearing us up under every circumstance, situation, in detail in life. How does he do all of this? What must he do to bless us, to grace us out? What must he do? He must humble us. Because that's the separating, sanctifying process where we experience the beauty of who his son is in the eyes of the father. And and how the son views the father and how the father views the son. And the Holy Spirit proceeding from both. (laughs) and teaching us the beauty of this. And Lord, we thank you this morning. We do thank you this morning that humility is submitting to by receiving what Christ has already done for each of us. Humility is listening to God in his mind. What a privilege that is. In humility, there's no pride in self because humility is experiencing the very life of Christ. It's experiencing the reality that his love has captured us. And with that Hebrew word, hashak, H-A-S-H-A-Q, it's a love, listen to this, that will never let us go. And we thank you in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.